welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Asking Eve podcast. Today my mum and I are joined by my auntie and my mum's sister Lauren. She has recorded a podcast with us before, some of you may have listened to it and if not we will link it in the post so that you can also see this one, the previous one too. Um, But today we're going to be talking about something slightly different but somewhat linked. Would you agree? Mom? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we were so blown away by the response that we had to Lauren's first podcast. And really, the audience kind of has dictated that we um, ask some more um, because really there's a lot more to, to tell Lauren. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, apparently so. Um, I was surprised that was one of the highest um, listened to podcasts the last time. But um, I suppose this talk on low self-esteem will probably answer that question for people as to why I was so surprised that anybody wanted to listen to me. So, um, yeah, back again. So the first episode that Lauren recorded with us was surrounding her sexuality, coming out and her kind of relationship journey at the moment and now. And um, hinted throughout that podcast was Lauren's, would you say, just general low self-esteem and sort of insecurity surrounding sexuality. And we hinted at how that impacted you, but we didn't really delve deeper beyond that. So today, that's what we're hoping to cover and cover body image, low self-esteem and general mental health chat. So... um just to give everybody a bit of context, you're 32 now, yeah? Yes. Um, happily married to Christine, and uh, you love your job. Um, you work for a local housing association in the Scottish Borders, yes. and you have a beautiful dog called Chester. Yep. So the perfect picture, everything looks lovely and rosy. Would you Would you agree? Yes, um, more so than uh, previous times in my life, but... As with everything, I think behind that sometimes there's it's not always that way, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of anxieties and, and general mental health. So, um, yeah, so, more, more so than others. But yeah. as I say, um, but we're but we're in a good place just now. So absolutely, it's, it's fine to talk and ask you to kind of refer back and to talk about the journey because you're in a much healthier place now. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so let's rewind to high school high school days and um, talk to us a little bit about your um, self-esteem and where you would have placed yourself on the scale of of feeling good about yourself when you were at high school. Um, So high school um, self-esteem wise uh, majority of the time was extremely low. So I'd gone from high school where primary school rather where I was in a small town and yes I knew I was the biggest person but Everybody in the class, there was never an issue to go into a big high school where um, it soon became an, an issue or certainly presented itself much more than um, I had thought before. So, and just um, for, for clarification, what do you mean by the biggest person? Um, so... Fat, your size. Um, size. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I just think it's, you know, it's important... Um, th- to clarify, yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. clarify that rather than... 
Um, you know, I was maybe six foot tall or something when I was in primary <laughs> three. But um, so yeah, the uh, the largest um, person in primary school. But it was never something that um, maybe I thought about it. But it was never a problem. But high school um, certainly, you know, getting getting bullied. Um, by girls and boys, you know, food being thrown at you. Um, I remember a, a Reebok advert that made my life an absolute misery. Um, you can go and Google it, you'll probably find it. It was one that said, Belly's going to get you. Um, so I don't own any Reebok stuff actually now, and probably that's the reason why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in some aspects, you know, academically, I was doing fine, you know, friend wise, I was the, um, in the hockey team, but. In general, really low self-esteem. It was at high school that um, I first uh, self-harmed um, at high school. So, on the scale, yeah, pretty low for most of the most of the time. Um, and then, as later in the high school, um, you know, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome. So again, that was something that affected my body image, and then obviously starting to um, think about my sexuality, or at least. Um, have those thoughts there so there was all of that um, a lot of which I punished and blamed myself for sort of weight wise um, weight linked to the polycystic ovaries you know that was all my fault so that was when I first um, self-harmed at uh, at high school. Okay um, so um, I always think that when you're recording these podcasts with family members it's really different to recording a podcast with somebody that you don't know particularly when you're talking about subjects that are so painful so I'm your bigger sister I'm 13 years older than you and um, in all honesty this is the first time that I actually had any clue that that this was happening to you and that uh, even as young as high school that you were self-harming in fact it it's only relatively recently that I found out that I knew that you self-harmed at any point in your life. Um, but I think that that also is worth teasing out because um, it must be so easy for people to hide the pain and the emotional distress and the physical manifestation of that from their family members because from the outside looking in, I just thought you were super happy. The, the whole time and I would never have um, identified you as having low self-esteem so it's it it really is so horrible to hear that this was was happening to you at such a young age um, how do you think you managed to put on that front you know yeah um, I think it's um, it's difficult I think thinking back, I had um, obviously other things that not so much show off at, but I had other things that I was good at that, you know, maybe I just made more of a deal of that, you know, academically, um, just got my head down, did well. So that presented to parents, you know, things were going well at high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you were on the hockey team, got selected for this. You were, mm-hmm. you were, you were bowling for Scotland. But um, I don't think I'm a big talker anyway. It's fine to do it in front of a mic and, you know, post it out there and people can listen to it. But... Um, I think I just, I do remember somebody in, in the family seeing um, what I had done and just, just covering it up. I, I remember it distinctly, um, just saying, oh, you know, I burnt myself on the on the cooker or something. Um, so the majority of the time I just um, 
just try to cover it up because I think, you know, if you think nowadays, mental health is spoken about when it comes to teenagers and young children, whereas, you know, it wasn't that long ago I was at high school, but it was, you know, you might get, oh, you don't know you're born, you know, or it, it wasn't something that was spoken about, the stress and pressure of um, teenage life. It was just, well, you know, um, your life's pretty good just now. Um, you're at high school, you're living at home, you're getting all of this. So I think there wasn't the opportunities to do anything other than hide it. Mm-hmm. Um. So um, tell us, this is a difficult question to ask and I'm sure it's a difficult question to answer. Why did you feel the need to self-harm? I mean, our very biology uh, default position is to preserve ourselves and self-harming is the complete opposite of that. So why do you think it got to the point where you wanted to hurt yourself? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think times when you're so low, you maybe don't feel like you're worth self-preservation you know, preservation and that, you know, you it's when it builds up inside you, when you're not a talker anyway, there's just this continual build-up of pressure and your mind is saying... You know, it's your fault, you lost weight one summer, you've come back to high school, for example, you've put on the weight again, um, it's your fault you're getting bullied, um, you had other issues in terms of body image relating to polycystic ovaries, and it's just, it builds up to a point where your internal self-hatred talk towards yourself almost convinces you that this is um, the way to punish yourself because you see it as you, it's everything's your fault, the, the situation that you're in, and that's, it just builds up to a point where that's that's the only way that you can see to cope with it in that moment in time. And um, did you feel with all of that, there was a <coughs> feeling of release whenever you... Um, yes, yeah, okay. at, just after I'd done it, because you're so, in that moment, in that time, you're so anxious and uptight and the thoughts are there and um, it's like it's, it's it's the only release and then of course the vicious circle comes in I was be- gonna say, cause it won't because last. it doesn't last yeah. no it absolutely doesn't last and it's like you know then you're seeing things on yourself and it's then you start bad talking yourself internally because of that mm-hmm. you're stupid what have you done that for you know you haven't hide things to your family make up you know so it's yeah. it becomes a, an absolute vicious circle so you mentioned that you hit try to you know hide the physical evidence from your family um why do you think you didn't tell anyone at the time and um because you said you had friends your family loves you why do you think you told yourself I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm doing this and try and get help. Um, I suppose I'm not a, a big talker anyway. Um, and you sort of felt a bit of shame and embarrassment. You already felt, for me anyway, I already felt a bit of shame within the family and sometimes felt like the odd, the odd one out. You were the largest person, you know. So to add talking about that into the mix um you know I just I just felt quite a lot of shame and embarrassment and just didn't um didn't want to didn't want to uh, to say at that time yeah. can I ask um 
you know, every family is different. And I think it's so easy to look on the outside, from the outside in and, and make assumptions that everybody's family is perfect and really tranquil and everything. Um, so, you know, people might have kind of thought that. I always think that there was always something going on with us. You know, there was always, it's it felt like there was always noise. I think that's maybe the best way to describe it. Um, were you nervous about adding to that noise and yeah. just wanting to try and keep calm and keep everything quiet and not make noise about you? Yeah, I think so. Um, like you say, there was always always something going on. And even now, I'm, I'm still somebody that doesn't want to burden um, people or put upon people. People have got enough to be going on with without you know, listening to, to your troubles. So I think having that in your personality as well, you're thinking, you know, um, you know, my dad was going through a lot of ill health at the time. Um, so there was that going on, you know, obviously um, my mum was busy working um, quite a lot of the time. You had a sister that was um, close in age to you, but um, I mean, to, to be fair, when I did tell her about the, the, the bullies in her year, she, she, she dealt with it. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll never forget that anyway. And that was, that was the end of, of that sort of time of bullying. So um, from that, but I think, I suppose even now, whenever it comes to anything to do with mental health or anything in that vein, there's that stigma um, attached to it. Um, and that's even now when we've got, you know, all of these different um, agencies that are um, out there for people to approach, but there there just wasn't that. So, yeah, I felt like I just wanted to kind of shut myself away. And you're already self-conscious about yourself, so you were just wanting to kind of almost cocoon yourself mm-hmm. uh, when you were going through those low points. Yeah. Can I ask another difficult question? What did you actually do to self-harm? Um, the first time I self-harmed, I um, burned myself on my arms. How did you do that? Um, I don't know where I got the idea, but I um, took a deodorant aerosol can and put it within um, a couple of millimetres away from my arm and continued to spray until it hurt. Um, So, I don't know where I got the idea from. Yeah, I mean, because you couldn't have been old, eh? I mean, where does... Because it was something like that. I don't. Yeah, I know the internet of, wasn't even a thing then, was it? So yeah. No, there was a, a lot of kids who used to do. You know, the kids that smoked mm-hmm. did the lighter in the hole. You were kind of they were doing it. So mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe we got it from that. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. That's okay. So um, high school, it was about body image, um, and it was a release, uh, and then you um, went to university. Um, so in theory, an opportunity to reinvent yourself, to kind of leave all of the kind of past um, associations that you might have developed from with your high school friends behind you, and um, you went off to uni. Did you still struggle with your with low self esteem when you were at uni? Yeah. And if you did, what what was the cause of that there? Um. So yes, I did, um, and there was there was various things. Again, the the self image, low self esteem, sort of remains throughout. So that was that was a constant, um, and also my anxieties with 
um, speaking out in groups and things like that. Um, that added to it because I started missing classes and then you had the knock-on effect of, you know, you sort of knew you were you were failing or going to be failing. And again, who's to blame for that in Lauren's mind? Me. Because mm-hmm. why am I so stupid, pathetic? You know, why can't I just speak out? And why am I so afraid of getting something wrong or looking silly, you know? Um, so there was that. And also, um, obviously, my um, feelings of, of knowing um, sort of, my sexuality, um, that was when it really became prominent. Um, so, and, you know, missing the chance to um, sort of go out in the clubs when I was first there because I wasn't aged to get friends. But then in the vicious um, circle of your mind, you're thinking, well, even even if you weren't, you know, underage, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk to anybody. You're, you're too shy, you know. And it's when you were with people, it was... People are going to be noticing you've not said anything, and the pressure builds to say something, and it's you know it, your mind can really um, play tricks on you. Just you know, it's it's um, a complicated thing. So your self-esteem didn't really improve when you went to university. With that, did the same sort of patterns of um, struggle with mental health continue? And if so. In those moments, you know, if you self-harmed at university, did you feel then that it was never going to get better? Or because you'd been like that, you'd felt like this in high school, you were feeling like this in university. Was there a feeling of even after university, it's not going to feel any different? Yeah, um, definitely. Certainly in those moments, you just thought this this is this is you, this is, this is what you are. Um, you know, it's... Um, you know, you're going to be doing this to yourself, but um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a, it's a struggle. Um, you didn't feel like it was going to get any better, and you think you've you've had this chance, and then there was days where you you would try and force yourself to to somewhat snap out of it, and you know you're going to go and you're going to go in the kitchen and make a conversation. You're going to do something, and then it's. It's a very strange thing because you put all that pressure on yourself. It doesn't happen. That's another reason for you to be, you know, bad mouthing yourself, you know, and the internal sort of dialogue that's going on. So certainly in the moments, um, I did feel, um, yeah, somewhat helpless. And probably another difficult question, but what would you say was your lowest point in? Um just with your mental health in general? At uni or just in general overall? Overall. Um, I think my lowest points were, um, mental health-wise, looking back just before I, I moved away. Um, again, you'd, you'd gone to uni, you'd failed, you'd try to go to Australia, that failed, everything just felt like it was like, you know, Lauren was meant to be the university... The lawyer. The lawyer, the university graduate, this this person, and that just wasn't happening at all. Um, so, so can I just interject here and say, it's so strange how we all perceive things so differently because um, I never thought of you as having failed anything at all, ever. Like... You went to uni and then you stopped. And I just, my perception of that was Lauren's going to take a different path. 
And see, when you went to Australia, I honestly was crying because I was Mm -hmm. in absolute awe of you because I was like, my little sister is brave enough to go all the way around the world. Like, Lauren, I can't even go on my honeymoon to the south of France without having to come back early. Like, that's failure. Um, you, You know... You went to Australia. That is a success. Getting to Australia is a success. So it's really, it's so heartbreaking hearing you define these these situations in your life as failure because it's just life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's awful. Yeah, it's to just you. it's just the way that you you know you self kind of frame it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the way you frame it. It wasn't the you know working three jobs seven days a week to save the money and actually get into Australia. It was the fact that. Um, you focus on the fact that you you had to come back early. Yeah, there was there was reasons behind that, valid reasons for me to come home. So, um, yeah, it is the way that you that you frame things. But certainly back then, um, these things had happened. You were just like this. You're just you're going nowhere here. You know. Did you have an awareness at the time that your framing was negative and that there was the potential to frame it more positively, or do you think that you were so rabbit holing in a negative kind of I am a failure for this 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 and you you struggle to see anything else but the failure even though there was no failure there but do you think that yeah it was, I was hard just, to get out yeah of you're so hard to get out of that mindset and I think um and I'm a lot better at doing it now is is recognizing when you're getting into that mm-hmm. um so they're just I just didn't have that awareness or self-awareness at the time to even try and begin to get myself out of that so do you think that the fact that at the time you had this negative um, narrative around your what you were doing, do you think that negatively impacted your relationships with other people, not just romantic, any relationship, and your goals, aspirations, what you were hoping to achieve and how you went about doing that and the longer term goals at the time? Yeah, definitely at that time. And I mean, um, obviously affected all of the relationships I had by going away. So, um, yeah, you weren't, I wasn't thinking um, about it, you know, anything else other than the, the narrative that um, I was lost up here and, um, you know, promised a, a different life um, if I moved away, which obviously didn't happen. Um, but now when I think of that, I always think about the, the positive side of that, of getting the great career that I've got out of it. Yeah. So... Um, that's the one thing that you take away. But certainly in that, that moment in time, aspirations, goals, anything other than um, trying to get away for the, the promise of, of someone loving me, um, that was all that was, that was on my mind at that time, which obviously um, mentioned it in the last podcast as well, turned out not to be mm. so great. Um, did you feel unloved then? Yes. Really? Yeah. Um, I just felt different to everybody, you know. But I think that's, I don't know, you're just in that negative mindset. You might, you know, you're, like I said before, your mind plays plays tricks on you. Um, yeah, I just I just felt really different, just like the, the different one. Um, just quite lonely. Um, you know, all my friends that I'd had were away off at uni doing other things, um, and you didn't really have, didn't really have anybody. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
so you recognize that and you've said that now you can see the um positives in the situations that at the time you thought were just negative and now if something were to happen you're able to kind of say oh I'm going into negative mind space but I'm going to change it um but we're going to talk about after the break how Lauren is doing now and how she's coping with her mental health and self-esteem how she managed to stop herself from um you know the negative headspace and any advice that she would pass on to anyone else in a similar situation. So we will um, be back after the break. Bye. Hi, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining us again uh, on this Asking Eve podcast with um, my sister and Lara's auntie, Lauren, or we Lors, as we affectionately call her. Um, which now sounds really condescending, actually, when I when <laughs> I when I hear something. it back. But for me, you were just like my littlest sister, so we're just still am. So yeah, it's it's um, So we're going to get right back uh, chatting with Lauren about self esteem and um, self harming. Um, I'm really keen to know, um, Lauren, how did you finally get this under control and? manage to stop self-harming um so just to kind of clarify it's not something that um I did continually there was more just points in time where that was um things were building up so much so maybe only sort of three or four periods of time in my life so far um you know um so it was been years now um and I think it's about just trying to find um, other ways of other ways of coping. Um, just generally being in a better mindset now. Um, you know, got the career um, at that point. You know, I had um, you know was living uh, had my first um, flat. You know, things you were you were getting over the the difficulties that you'd had in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was just finding other other ways of of coping so for me um for a certain period I'd, I'd come back um to stay up here and had lost a lot of weight so a lot of it was um exercise and um, for me swimming um and um going to classes and things so um that generally gave you a, a much more positive mm-hmm. um mindset and I think it's about also um recognizing the days when it's it's just not you you know um that you're just not having those those positive days and not beating yourself up about it just tomorrow's another day mm-hmm. um today's not going to be a day when you're um you know overly positive um things might get to you a little bit more but it's about knowing that that's not going to be the permanent way it's just temporary it's just yeah that's it's, it's t- always, tomorrow will come and yeah. you know um just just keep that in your mind absolutely no situation is ever, ever permanent eh? no. so basically what you're saying there is that you stopped because of taking practical action controlling your um mental well-being by being physically active and also reframing things in your own your own mind so yeah. it, you said it's been a, a long time since you've done anything so it's we're talking years yeah yeah um i don't know if you've kind of already a- answered this but i just wanted to to ask um as someone who has never had the urge to self-harm 
is it always situational, a response to a situation, or is there ever just a, a kind of unprompted um, desire to self-harm? Um, I think for me it was probably more so um, situational um, and a, maybe a build-up of things or a long period of time of feeling bad about yourself and your mind sort of continually telling you so. I suppose in that way it is situational that you're in this situation for a prolonged period and the build-up is, is just there um, to where you feel that's that, or I did feel, um, that that was the only way to get the release and also um, you felt as though you were sort of punishing yourself in that respect. But I think because I had been in situations that, sort of looking back, I've been through situations in my life where at that time you felt really bad, you were really negative, really low, but it didn't last. So your mind, you start to say, well, you're in that situation, that didn't last, here's the positive that came out of it. Mm -hmm. And you start to try and um, even recall on those times when you need to, you know, things can get worse or be worse. Um, so obviously you are doing a lot better now and you're able to, you know, say today's not a good day not as positive that's okay tomorrow's a new day but do you ever still feel the inclination situationally to self-harm no um definitely not i mean just um obviously the last year starting a new um job and and it being really difficult during um covid for example i think that's kind of a build-up so just just last week there was a couple of days when um, you just knew that there was that there was just just something, um, and then a tiny thing happened, and it was just um, you just sort of said, "No, I need to just take some time out." So, um, got really supportive management, so just um, sent that message just to say, "I'm going to take some time out and just relax, walk the dog." Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm not um, not performing at my best. I just need to have that time, and it's it's just about listening to your your body and the way that it reacts it was because it was something small that but it was a build-up of, mm-hmm, of things mm-hmm. that have that have obviously that's often happened. the case isn't it mm-hmm. and it's they're, just the, they're less obvious yeah when it when it happens that way can i just ask um would your answer to that question have been different if you were only sitting looking at your sister and your niece do you still have the urge oh no, no 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 definitely not I mean I've openly told you about yeah. um how I've um, hurt myself so no there definitely definitely isn't and I think um you know I've even been through um obviously with with Christy my well, wife who suffers with you know more severe um, mental health um we've had a really difficult time um so you'd think even more so that might be a time where um I would but it was it's more um Getting out walking um, for me just now and, and doing a bit of jogging and things is just, you know, your your time away. And So you've mentioned numerous things that you do to help yourself and cope now, walking, jogging. But how do people in your life help? And when you first, you know, had those conversations, so my mum said that she didn't know for a very long time. When you first kind of opened up to people and your younger sister, my your, um, older sister, but younger uh, than my mum when you first told her much younger <laughs> <laughs> when you first told her how did she help how do you think is the best way to help someone that's going through that situation um if you were to give advice to the you know the friend the family member that's mm-hmm. been told something similar yeah I mean I, I told Car- Carla about the the bullying I don't think 
not that I can recall, I've maybe even said this, so um, this might even come as a, as a surprise to, to Carly, even the, the actual harm. I can't think I've ever had these types of conversations, but I think um, if you see in somebody that you know is, um, you just, you know them and you know that something's just not quite right, just, just, even just offering that open, just I'm here, whether it's a text or a phone call, but I think the, the advice would be just to, to, to listen um, and then just try and help people as, as best you can. If it is something, you know, serious that needs, um, you know, sort of professional intervention, then, um, you know, talk them through that and, and reassure them that, you know, this, um, again, it, it's going to get better. You know, I've, I've done that with 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 Christine to say this is what we're going to do and just just keep calm as well um if it is like a sort of severe case um you know and say we're you know we're going to get you get the, the help and support and, and non-judgmental as well um since we're all honest on the podcast uh, I think that myself and my mom probably struggle not with anyone to connect to the element of surrounding self-harm and mental health where it's not seeing a rational mind, you know? Like, look, we know if we were viewing something negative because we are, we, we would say we're viewing this negative like you do now. So I think it's hard for someone like that and in that positive mindset to relate to that. And I don't think that's necessarily at fault of theirs, but it is a hard kind of topic to broach. And I've definitely struggled with friends and other people to understand and appreciate that they're maybe not and don't think the same way as I am. And they maybe are not even thinking like themselves at that moment. So do you think with your past experience that allows you to help people better? So for example, with Christine, your uh, partner, do you think you're a better person to support someone than, say, someone like myself who's never really struggled with? Yeah, I think I think to a certain extent. I think, um, obviously, Christine really does struggle. Um, for me, I can... I mean, she's doing far better now, but there's days where I could look and you just, you just know, you could just tell. Um, but I think it's... People worry that about what to say you know, if I say something or say the wrong word, say the wrong phrase, um, it'll make them worse. You know, um, certainly when when things have have been bad with Christine, I've thought, have I added to that? Has there been something? Has there been you you know um, that you've said? But I think it's it's even now. I know. I mean, I don't know to what extent it's spoken about in schools and things like that. But you know, is there a, a kind of need for that a little bit more to have that? Um, people might feel that it's too early to have those conversations but just a little bit of something like that in you know um in schools to um I'm not talking you know sort of full yeah, on yeah, medical yeah. first aid you know mental health first aid or anything but, but how to help yeah, someone else yeah I think in my experience with school is and just my age group and generation now it's talked about far more I would imagine than when it was talking talked about with you and I don't know why, because I cannot, it's way too complex for me to ever pinpoint or even suggest. But for me, not having a mental health um, concern um, or being extremely happy is the minority in my age group. So I think it is, it's actually harder to relate to myself than it is people that are struggling. Um, 
and it's kind of a it's a shift almost you know I think you can quite easily go most people my, my friends you know are struggling with something whereas my mum had no idea you were because it's like hiding it and then it's the access to information has made it so much easier to know if someone's struggling because they make you aware easier um there's definitely been a shift mm. now yeah and I mean, it's so long ago since I was at school that I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I suppose it just it's different different people are, are different with it I mean I think some of you might be quite open about it you know especially now with with social media you do you do see it quite a lot of people openly sharing it on there I'd, uh, you know, I don't think um, I ever would, but perhaps you should just, rather than painting the the happy picture, but just not say, obviously, anything bad, but it's just, you do feel that, I think a lot of it nowadays comes from, um, certainly for younger people, the social media aspect. Everybody that puts something on social media is 100% perfect version of themselves. So even myself, it's, oh, I've done a jog, I've been out walking the dog, I've done this. It's not... You know, last last week I got so stressed out about meeting a stressy Jaffa cakes, you know, or something like that. You know, was it a whole packet, Laura? Um, no, no, but it was well it done. was it was a fair few. Totally. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's and I think it's a lot for people to try and live up to, but um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, we're coming towards the end of our chat just now, and I think that it's only right that we try and turn it around and be a little bit more positive so we've talked a lot about the low points um what would you say have been some of the high points of your 32 odd years so far um so high points obviously uh, meeting and marrying christine um first of all get that in first get the brownie points um <laughs> um obviously chester um my career um which um Obviously, I've got a new job, and that's um, you know another uh, 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 path that I'm really excited um, about. Um, you know, stuff that I've achieved with the bowling um, as well. Um, to put that into the into the mix, um, coming back um, and losing the the weight that I did, and just um, continually trying to work on yourself. That's all everybody's trying to do, aren't they? They're just in in their own little ways. Um, try to work on themselves like I find different things you know um whenever I was having a bad time during lockdown not confident in the um the job that I was that I just started I'd done half of the job but not the other half um but I'd found an email from our director um I can embarrass myself I'm sure she won't listen but um that I printed off when she was said that she was delighted that I got the job so I was you know I have that to look at to say you're having a bad day no people do want you here they do want you in this job you are um good at what you're doing so it's just trying to find those things great idea that's a good idea to do that yeah and just whenever it wasn't you know it wasn't um all the time every day but it was just during those difficult you know covid related times where you were thinking gosh you know having a doubtful time you had that to um to refer to and it's just trying to find those little things in a all aspects of your life and just try to work on yourself there'll be the days where I have the green tea there's the days that I'll have you know a few Jaffa cakes but it's you know don't be too hard on yourself Mm -hmm. cut yourself a bit of slack it's not you know um so is that kind of the advice that that you'd give to somebody just kind of go a wee bit easier sorry can I just totally interject again and say I think that you should say go into Australia on your own 
Oh, yeah. Was kick-ass, good lord. <laughs> yeah, like, going to Australia. Yeah, no, no, going to, going to Australia. Um, yeah. Uh, been made to dress up as Easter Bunny as a tour guide at Thiddleston Castle. Because <laughs> um, that was quite a fun um, fun day. But um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, um, I think of other high points, that's that's really it, um, I would say. But yeah, that would be the advice I'd give to people. If you, know, if you do want, you do feel that you need to get help, just speak to somebody, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can find those little things that you do have... Um, but also, if they don't work, don't beat yourself up and, you know, tomorrow will come and you'll try again. Because I think um, everyone's ways of coping are different. There's, you know, the standard exercise, eat well, sleep well. But everyone's, you know, more unique things are different. So, you know, yours is maybe walking your dog and, you know, spend time with Christine. For me, it's probably like writing in my diary, writing about how I'm feeling. Mom, I don't know what. Sleeping. <laughs> so I think um yeah, also finding your yeah. own ways to cope. Not dancing, just putting putting music oh, on. How could I forget dancing? <laughs> <laughs> posting on our um, Instagram story ten times a day. <laughs> Maybe that one too. <laughs> just for the record, I made a sad face there. Yeah. Um okay. Classical FM, I, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, that's weird. Is it? I think so. Oh, you no, always say it in like the family it. group chat, and I'm like, oh. But oh, you also no. listen. Did you not listen to some quite old music too? Yeah, sixties soulful yeah. stuff, a whole range of of different stuff. But yes, it's a mix. Just when it when it fits. When I was um, working late tonight and and trying to get here, and there was sets of traffic lights. It was classical FM just to keep the, um, you know, the kind of uh, levels and yeah. the kind of, the calm at a reasonable level. So um, that's us. That's all our questions. Thank you very much for spending another hour talking to us of your no problem life. at all. You have a busy schedule and you manage to fit us in. So thank you very much. No um, if you have any questions for Lauren that we didn't cover, um, just send us an email and we could probably forward them on to her, um, and she'd be more than happy to answer. I am sure. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything else you want to know. And the email address is hello at advancingeve.com. Um, but other than that, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and uh, we look forward to releasing some more episodes in the future.